Welcome to the Thrive Women Podcast, and we're so glad you're listening. This is our second episode for the new year, and uh, well done. You have found it. You're listening, making some time to hear um, this awesome conversation we have coming up today. But also, it is the time in January where either resolutions stick or they're totally gone already, it seems. (laughs) But we haven't even really talked about it. Lisa, are you doing, do you have a New Year's resolution? Are you picking a word? I feel so behind on all the things. I know, I know. And I'm seeing seeing lots of activity through my friends posting and all that. But okay, so the word for me this year is redeem. And my resolution is to actually go back backwards, 2021, and takes a list of very hard things and mm. um, losses and just uh, challenges and trials that we've been walking through as a family and outside of our family. And just the list is endless and going, okay, Lord, that, that was a really hard year, very weary year, lot, lots of things going on. So Romans eight twenty eight, you know, mm-hmm. a promise for all of us that God is going to bring good out of all things, you know? And so Let's take that list and just go, God, what are you going to do with this? What are you producing in me? How are you maturing me because of this? How, um, how can I use this to encourage someone? Um, and so yeah. that's kind of my approach. I'm really not making resolutions. I'm just going into the year expecting that God's going to bring about his purposes and the good things that he wants to do with some very, very hard things that we walked through last year. I like that uh, perspective of not necessarily carrying it over, like holding on to it so long, but just not. Sometimes I think we just think, Oh, it's just a brand new start or everything's going to change when we know like whatever was walked through last year influences this year. So I, I like that idea of, kind of carrying that over into this year with you and looking for how that will be redeemed, believing that that's true. Yeah, absolutely. What about you, Ange? Oh, I, I'm not sure that I know yet. Yeah. I feel a little behind. December was, you know, just a little crazy, chaotic, some big life things happening. So kind of taking this month to reset. So we'll see. I'm not. I'm not on top of it. I will be honest. It's okay. I mean, maybe it'll be like a February new word. <laughs> but I mean, I love that that invitation that a new year, it's really every day God's mercies are made new, right? Great is his mm-hmm. faithfulness. So we get to reset every day. Totally. Yeah. So um that that's great. I love that promise and hope that comes when we reset. Yeah, then, absolutely. Well, I think we're all walking in that this month, you know, so for sure, if you're listening and you don't have a perfectly graphic to new word of the year yet, either, don't worry, you're not alone. Although I think we did a podcast maybe last year about having a new word and we were all super inspired to have one. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It was so last year. (laughs) Yeah. It was very last year. Look at how far we've come. <laughs> yes, so good. Well, you had a great conversation with our guest today, Lisa. Um, I think I missed it for some reason, but I know you guys had 
a lot to top, talk about and we're excited for that today. So do you want to tell everyone who you caught up with? Yeah, one of our friends um, at the church that we work in, Bayside in Northern California, um, Heidi Matsky is the executive director of an alternatives pregnancy center here in Sacramento. And um, we just got to hear her story of kind of what God has done in her life to bring her into this position. And through her yes and obedience, how he's using her, not just locally, but nationally to really um, just contend for life and um, not just within the church, but outside of the church. So just transparently really shared a lot of the, the challenges that she still sees for that in the church and the end, um, but also the encouragement that she's seen of how God is moving um, just through some of the efforts that are being done through legislation and um, at a national level, um, but that the work is not done and it's going to be requiring, you know, really all hands on deck as the body of Christ to step into step into this and to be obedient to what God's called us to do as a church. And that's to fight for life and, and the unborn. And um, she's a beautiful person. And I think just her passion inspired me to, to want more of that, um, you know, because that's the heart of Christ. Well, welcome to the podcast, Heidi. I am so grateful that you said yes to join us. It's a conversation that we've been wanting to have, and you're someone that I've been wanting to share with our listeners. But before we dive into some of the questions today, can you tell our listeners a little bit about what life in this season looks like, you know, ministry with your husband, kids, family life, and are you ready for Christmas? Oh, (laughs) well, first, so thanks so much for um, inviting me on and for allowing me to be a part of this conversation that is so vital in our community today. And man, what does life look like for me? Um, well, I am a uh, pastor's wife. My husband is uh, a pastor at River Church. We've been serving at that church for the last 22 years. Um, doesn't happen very often where you get to be in the same place for 22 years and minister. And it has been such a blessing um, here in Sacramento to be in the same location and watching um, and having the ability to raise kiddos and watch them go off, have families, and then all of a sudden return back and get to walk in a different season of life with them. And Um, No, I am absolutely not ready for Christmas. As a matter of fact, last week I was getting ready to leave the clinic here at um, at 5.30 on Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving, and had a conversation with a friend of mine. She said she'd planned her menu two weeks ago and had all of her ingredients already bought and asked me how I was doing. And I said, I hadn't even been to the grocery store yet (laughs) the day before Thanksgiving. And, And yet, somehow God always just brings it together and it happens. So um, I trust him during this Christmas season in the midst of chaos to make that happen again. So yeah, you're definitely, you're definitely someone who's wearing many hats. And one of the hats you wear is probably one of the things you're most excited to talk about today. But before we dive into that, I would love for you just to share a little bit of your your faith story and and what led you into the pro-life arena that you find yourself in today. 
Yeah. So, you know, I was raised in a Christian home and have had the privilege of really um, experiencing God in my life since I was a little girl. Um, I have felt his hand on my heart and on my life and um, have have, um, through God's word, heard his voice, um, as a young child. And that is an incredible privilege to be able to say, I think as an adult woman, I've had the privilege of walking most of my life with him. And, um, that definitely has taken different twists and turns and different crazy seasons nonetheless. But I've had the privilege of being raised in a home. My parents taught me the value and the beauty and the sanctity of human life at a very young age. And um, in high school, as a matter of fact, me and my little sister, uh, very outspoken about our faith, unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, started our Bible club at our high school and started a pro-life club at our high school. And um, I went away to college to Grand Canyon University in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, back then, it was like 2,500 students. Now, <laughs> I think they own half of Phoenix. Um <laughs> And then uh, my little sister, her senior year of high school, got involved with a guy that she knew was not God's best for her and uh, went down a, a pretty dark road that senior year, a lot of drugs, alcohol, sex, partying, all that stuff. And um, at the end of the year, uh, as she was getting ready to graduate, God had um, provided a full ride scholarship to Point Loma in San Diego. And we lived in Colorado at the time. And she was so excited and felt like God was um, breaking the relationships and the bonds of high school and was giving her a new lease on life. And she wanted to trust him in that process. So in May, she broke it off with, uh, broke off the relationship with that boy. And in August, we were so excited to uh, go to college, her, her freshman year, me, my sophomore year. Um, and we were packed and ready to go. Um, my mom was going to drop me off in Arizona, drive her to San Diego and drop her off and fly home. And my little sister woke up that morning throwing up and was, uh, was really sick. And my mom said, you know, before we get in the car and drive for 18 hours, I just want to run home. I want you to run to the doctor and, um, and make sure everything's okay. And so she went to the doctor. She came home. I was the only one home when she got home and she walked in the door and it still chokes me up to this day. It's kind of crazy. Um, she just kind of collapsed on the ground and she, she looked up at me and she said, you're never going to believe this, but I'm pregnant. And, you know, I, I tell people all the time, it's really easy for us that, you know, pray, uh, proclaim these pro-life values and the beauty and sanctity of human life. And, uh, and we can do that. And that's, that's important for us to do, but until you're in that woman's shoes and, and the fear is overwhelming of, of the fear of letting her family down, the fear of having a testimony that is defamed, the fear of shaming, um, feeling shame and, and dishonoring her God and the fear of all of that being exposed. You know, where do young women who are raised in the church go when they find themselves in an unplanned pregnancy? Many of those women find themselves at Planned Parenthood because they don't shame their God. They don't want to look like a hypocrite. And, um, they feel 
like their only option is to hide and cover this up. And yet that is exactly where the enemy wants them. He wants them um, to be in shame and guilt and, um, and in chains in that place. And praise the Lord, you know, it's in those moments that what we believe about the God that we serve dictates how we're going to behave. And praise God, my sister chose life. And it was Alternatives Pregnancy Center, ironically, same name of the clinic here in Sacramento in Colorado, that really walked my sister and my family through that tragedy. And it wasn't just my sister. I mean, um, my parents were well-known in our church, um, well-known in our community. And so Uh, This was a crisis for our entire family, and they were there for not just my sister, but our whole family. And uh, yeah, my sister chose life for my nephew. He's now 26 years old. He's a youth pastor in Lakewood, Colorado, and just four weeks ago um, had his first little baby. And so he is very pro-life, as you can imagine, and uh, loves the Lord, and um, it's an incredible privilege to watch him grow up and mature and watch my sister make some really tough decisions. So when my husband and I moved to Sacramento 22 years ago, we heard that there was an alternative pregnancy center here. And so we immediately wanted to get involved in this ministry because I'd seen firsthand witness to its power um, in, in the life of a young woman who was scared and fearful and in the life of our family. Um, and so I was so blessed by that. So, so yeah, that's what kind of led me to this ministry, um, starting, you know, 25 years ago. It's such a power, powerful story in that oftentimes when we think about our call and mission in life is a lot, oftentimes related to something we've personally experienced, you know, a hardship or suffering, or we've walked through something, but sometimes, like in your case, it's it's someone that you love or that's close to you having walked through something and and the way that you've walked beside that person or be, beside your sister is the very place that God would send you to go and stand stand for, you know? Yeah. I will say, though, that even though this was definitely a ministry that my whole heart was in, I would have never dreamed of being the director um, at this clinic. That was not something I sought out to do. Uh, as a pastor's wife, um, there are so many demands, not only on our lives as a family, but so many de- demands um, with my kiddos in junior high and high school. And um And, you know, being in charge of the most politically and emotionally charged nonprofit in America today, um, that's not something I would have said sign myself up for. Um, But that was clearly um, because of so many different situations and circumstances that happened. It was clearly God saying, this is my call for your life. And you are to deny yourself, to uh, take up your cross and follow me wherever I lead you. And as believers, that's such a scary thing because he often leads you into territory that you feel completely unequipped um, and and um, a lack of ability to do what he's asked you to do. But that's what means, that's what makes us have to fully rely on God and trust him with the ministry that he's called us to. Right. Was there a decisive moment where you remember that call? Because oftentimes God calls us and we think it's going to look like X, Y, and Z, 
but often he just wants our yes and that obedience. And then he takes us somewhere completely different. Yeah. What's weird is that those of us that have walked with the Lord for any length of time, oftentimes, um, he, he, he works in seasons and there was a particular season in my life where I just felt him uprooting me and shifting directions in my life. And, you know, I, I felt it in every sermon I listened to and every worship song I, I listened to, and it came in weird conversations with different people that I could tell he was doing something new in my life. And, uh, when my husband came home from a board meeting, I had just happened to speak in women's ministries in the book of Hebrews about how God, um, was doing away with the old and he had brought the new. And oftentimes, you know, without going into details, you know, the Jews didn't know back then, like they didn't have the whole counsel of God. And so they had to rely on the Lord um, to lead and guide them. And uh, it's funny when we, when we talk about God's word and what he's teaching us in our lives, often it's not for anybody else. It's for us and where he's leading and guiding us. And so I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that, that, uh, when my husband walked in after a board meeting and said, honey, I'm resigning from the board because they're going to come after you as the next executive director. Um, I don't know if I can say this on your podcast, but I think I said bad words to him in that moment. <laughs> <laughs> you can say anything. <laughs> and I was like, oh, what are you thinking? Like, what does this even look like for me? And then um, sure enough, God confirmed it over and over again. And I interviewed for the position, um, only because I didn't think that they would hire me. And, um, after they offered me the job, I'll never forget, literally crying myself to sleep and, uh, just feeling the overwhelming weight of the ministry on my shoulder and, um, realizing that, um, it was going to take me sacrificing my own kids on the altar for, for God and for his glory. And I remember thinking and praying that night, just Lord, how, how is it that you expect me in this season of my life? Um, I'm already, you know, a pastor's wife, our family's already serving you in ministry. What does it look like to be the executive director of this ministry and be a pastor's wife and be a mom? Um, it was suffocating the weight of that. And I remember thinking, how do I sacrifice my own children to go rescue other people's children? And um, I'll never forget getting up the next morning and having my quiet time with the Lord. And my devotions just happened to be on Abraham putting Isaac on the altar. And it specifically said in my devotions that anything that you place on the altar unto God for his glory and not your own will never go unblessed or unprotected. And so you can trust him with wherever God is leading you and calling you. And um, that was the moment where I truly had to surrender to him and trust him with whatever my future looked like and the future of my family. Absolutely powerful. God's fingerprints are just all over this story, leading and directing and giving you a willing spirit. I mean, that's not stuff that we can come up with on our own. No. Nope. And really nope. just shows, you know, what it looks like to walk closely with the Lord. And it's not easy for sure. I think it would be good for some of our friends listening just to talk about what the mission of alternatives is, since this has been you know, where God's called you to lead and, and to serve the kingdom. 
but also your involvement, just not at the local level, but also at the national level, you're doing some amazing things in Washington. Um, and what does it look like to be, you know, a Christ follower representing the gospel in some of these darker places right now? Yeah. So again, I mean, it was, it was nowhere that I would have desire to go and, and really as much as I'm pro-life and love the Lord and want to defend, um, the unborn, um, being involved in this ministry on a political level was not something that I really wanted to do again. And that's where only the Lord's leading and guiding, uh, and working in and through your lives. He takes you to places that you don't necessarily want to go. But, um, so the mission of alternatives pregnancy center, uh, we are a, a free medical clinic and it's our mission to provide women with medical care and alternatives to the abortion choice. As we proclaim the hope of the gospel to everyone that we come into contact with. And what was crazy about how alternatives got involved on more of a national level um, was about five years ago, I had this dream of what it would look like to offer all the services that Planned Parenthood offers minus abortion for free and with the hope of the gospel attached to that. And so I went to my board and I, you know, we had no money and and no real medical personnel at the time. I had just seen a video of Planned Parenthood and them saying they offered prenatal care to women. And after watching that video, I thought, why aren't we offering prenatal care to women? Why aren't we offering all the services that Planned Parenthood offers, minus abortion for free and with the gospel attached to that, proving the heart of God as as he cares for women through our services in that most vulnerable place and um, drawing women to our clinic so that we can use our medical services to love on them and to cast out fear and to help provide hope in that abortion situation. And so that's our mission. And uh, when I when I went to the board and asked, hey, I would love to offer all of these services. I know it's going to take money. I know it's going to take added medical personnel to make that dream a reality. You know, they gave me a nice little pat on the back and said, you know, Heidi, that's a good five-year goal strategy, but that takes a lot of money and a lot of medical. And within, there's a long story there with a lot of miracles, but within a matter of two weeks, God provided us with a half a million dollars and all the medical personnel that we needed to make that vision a reality. And within six months, uh, we became a full-fledged uh, free women's OBGYN practice here in Sacramento. Wow. Um, because of that, um, there was a lawsuit in the state of California called AB 775. And that lawsuit basically forced all pregnancy centers throughout the state of California to refer every patient that came into our doors for abortion. So regardless of the fact that our pregnancy centers are not funded at all by the government, we have to go out and get our own funding. We were being required to refer every patient that walked in our doors uh, for abortion. And that law was passed in 2016 here in California and was getting ready to um, be a nationwide bill that was going to be passed. And so there was an organization called Alliance Defending Freedom who um, represented all pregnancy centers in the state of California. And when they heard about 
my story and what God had done in and through the life of the clinic, making us a full OB practice. They asked me if I would represent all clinics throughout uh, the state and the country and um, go to Washington, D.C. and speak with congressmen and federal and state judges and be a part of fighting and overturning this, this bill. And so what was crazy is the verse the, that year that God had given me um, that I had claimed throughout the, that year was um, there were two verses. So one of them was Joshua 1.9. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And uh, I clung to that verse when I felt him calling me to Washington, D.C. And then the next verse was Esther 414. You know, a lot of us know that verse for you are here for such a time as this. But the beginning of that verse for me was kind of like a battle cry, (laughs) if you will. And Mordecai talking to Esther uh, in a very critical time of the Israelite history, protecting the Jews. And he said, um, uh, basically, you are not to remain silent. If you remain silent at such a time as this, relief and deliverance will arise from another place. Meaning God's going to do what God's going to do and he's going to use whoever he uses. But he has called you here for such a time as this. Now go rescue my people. Um, go protect my people. And so those two verses were... were were verses that I just absolutely hid in my heart and had to cling to. Um, when I was asked to go to Washington, DC, I was not involved in political science in college. Um, didn't pay much attention in political science class. And so the fear at times, I tell you what, were overwhelming, but praise God, we were able to overturn that law in 2018. And that then set the stage for the rest of the country. Um, so it was an incredible privilege to represent all pregnancy centers throughout the entire country and and be a part of overturning a law before the Supreme Court, which rarely ever happens. Wow, I've, I have goosebumps just hearing this story. That's incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. What a good word just to remember who God chooses to do his, his great work, the least likely. I mean, you keep dropping these things like I didn't go to, I wasn't a poli sci major. This is not what I signed up for. And I hope those of you who are listening are also hearing God's voice and where he's calling you to serve him and his kingdom. And, um, he usually- us to places that we would never dream of going. And that's how we know that it's him working in and through. That's right. That's right. Well, I, I, I think it's important to talk about, you had mentioned, you know, just the, the political nature and divisiveness of this topic, especially as we were going through the pandemic. Um, a lot of issues came to the surface. What are you learning and what are the conversations that you are in that I think points us in a better direction in terms of the right and God honoring response that Christians need to have around the issue of life? Yeah. So first off, um, especially with regards to um, the body of Christ, I think it's so vitally important that we know what God's word says about this topic in particular. You know, all throughout scripture, uh, we know that um, the enemy comes to still kill and destroy. And yet Christ came so that we could have life and have it abundantly. And God has planned for things in our lives 
that we would never plan in it of ourselves, um, whether it's um, illness, tragedy, death. Um, God has a purpose and a plan for everything that happens in our lives. And God being the creator of life as believers in Jesus Christ, we have to ask ourselves, do we trust him? Uh, at the end of the day, do we trust him with everything that happens to us? And, or are we going to live in fear and um, try to take control of this situation, which is exactly what the enemy wants to do in our lives? And so whether we're talking about, uh, no matter what sin we're talking about, I think the foundation that is vitally important that we begin to build upon is that uh, we are all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And there are none righteous, no, not one. And all of our sin looks different. And um, and yet God wants to use the very broken things in our lives, even if there's um, an abortion choice that happened in a woman's past. Uh, he wants to use the brokenness in our lives to draw us close to his throne of grace where we can find mercy and peace and time of need. He wants to do a redemptive work there. And that comes through the confession of, of whatever that sin is. And then a desperate need for God to take what was broken and make it beautiful. And, um, and then, um, Many may or may not know, but a lot of the women that serve at, at Alternatives Pregnancy Center and other pregnancy centers around um, the country and the world, um, a lot of those women have had abortion in their past. And um, God has done a redemptive work in their heart and their life and brought um, beauty out of ashes. And that is the very platform at which women then serve the next generation. And uh, I think um, we can have the political divisiveness is so tragic because at the end of the day, we're talking about a woman's life um, and we're talking about a choice, one choice that a woman makes. Um, and that choice does not define who she is. That one choice is not, does not get to be the deciding factor for the rest of her life. Um, she is more than just a choice she makes. She um, is a soul that. Um, that God loves and God um, desires to do a redeeming, transforming work in her heart and her life. And not just her, but there are many men who have been a part of these decisions as well. And um, God wants to do the same. So the foundation that we build upon is what does God's word say about this issue? What does God's word say about life? And then we need to come to the ground floor of, um, you know, Romans 5, 8 while we were still sinning, Christ died for us. And then, um, and then use that to then serve and help, uh, the people that God has placed in and of our lives. We, we haven't seen, you know, up until a couple years ago, this really enter the church the way it did, you know, part of that was the political, um, divisiveness around, around the issue of life and, and, who you're voting for and all of that stuff. Yet it's such an important topic for pastors to be addressing. And it, it seems like fear has even crept into churches from addressing this as we should, because it has become so polarizing um, politically. 
what what are some things, how can you encourage uh, pastors and leaders to be more courageous when it comes to talking about this part of God's word that is pro-life? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, the topic of abortion inside the church is not a growth strategy for the church, that's for sure. <laughs> But um, as a pastor, as a shepherd, um, God has called pastors to um, shepherd his flock. And every sheep that God has entrusted into a pastor's care, um, that pastor has a responsibility to speak and talk about the whole counsel of God. And um, especially with the topics that plague our nation today, you know, the topic of abortion is the most politically emotionally charged topic and yet the church has for the most part remained silent on that issue because they don't want to offend and they 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 don't want to talk about an issue that's so polarizing but unfortunately when pastors choose to not talk about this issue their sheep are left to the voice of the culture and that voice leads only to death um, in every level and, um, and that's a huge weight. That's a huge responsibility, um, on a pastor. And, um, but I think, you know, as a pastor's wife and as someone who has spoken in churches throughout the country over the last several years, um, what I realize is after I'm done speaking at churches, I often have a line of people that want to talk to me afterwards. And they'll uh, they'll tell me their personal abortion story, or sometimes they don't like me, and that's okay. <laughs> um, but I'll never forget a particular woman who came up to me after church, and I was talking about forgiveness found in Jesus Christ in your abortion choice. And she grabbed my hand and she said, Heidi, thank you so much for speaking those words over me. I've never heard a pastor talk about this issue uh, from the pulpit. And, and she said, you know, the thing of it is, though, is as much as you say that I can find forgiveness in Jesus, I just, I don't think he forgives me and I just can't forgive myself. And, um, you know, I grabbed her hands and I said, um, I know this is going to sound really harsh, um, but you need to know that your sin of abortion is not the only sin that Christ's bloodshed doesn't cover. Um, no matter what your sin is, Christ died to redeem you and to buy you back from the enemy's hand and to use your life for his glory. And um, that has, that interaction has always just stuck with me because what I realized when I walked away is when pastors refuse to talk about this issue, they're leaving their sheep in bondage. They're leaving their sheep stuck in um, shame and guilt and um, brokenness. And that's not what the church is about. Um, and it is a pastor's responsibility to talk about the the hardest things of our day and to point them to the cross, to point them to Jesus, who is the only one that can redeem all things and, and, and back to himself and, and make our lives beautiful after such tragedy. I know that a lot of churches 
you know, we'll refer women to, you know, some healing studies, you know, celebrate recovery, life's healing choices, some bondage, sexual bondage from your past. Right. A lot going on in the church, but what you're saying is that the shepherding should be at a much bigger level, level more corporate level, right? As as community comes to gather on a Sunday, that maybe that should be part of acknowledging some of that in some of the practicality of messages and the way that gospel reaches even there, right? As we address so many other issues in our church. Um, what do you think, what would practically, what does this look like in the week to week? How do you see pastors doing this really well? And I'm sure your husband even, and just how he leads his church, where you are talking about it and it's it's not a taboo subject to bring up. You're not offending people. You're just bringing, you know, that, that healing element of scripture into the room through your message. Yeah, so I think practically, speaking what it looks like is obviously we're not going to talk about this issue on a on a week-to-week level but on really important days of the year like sanctity of human life sunday to be able to set aside a sunday once a year or a couple of times a year to really dive into god's word and and preach what god's word says about this issue there's so many verses you know, um, Proverbs 24, 11 says, rescue those who are being led to slaughter, hold back those who are stumbling to death. You know, as Christians, we have a responsibility to be active in this cause and pastors have a responsibility to share what God's word says from the pulpit. So I think it's definitely not an, an every week subject. It's a very difficult subject uh, to talk about, but being purposeful about setting aside time on a yearly basis or a biannual basis to have these discussions and then to give um, a platform to um, the sanctity of human life in mom-to-mom groups to have discussions about um, instilling life-affirming values in children's ministries, um, whether that looks like taking, you know, little rubber babies at different stages of development and, and talking about at those different stages of development, what what's going on as God knits that little one together in the womb perfectly for nine months. Um, you know, just simple things like that, I think are really important for the church to be a part of, you know, a lot of our pregnancy centers throughout the state, we do baby bottle campaigns or we do, um, uh, what we've done (laughs) since COVID is baby bands because nobody wants to take a bottle, fill it and bring it back because of all the germs. So (laughs) A virtual, you know, version of that and, and having churches support, uh, you know, local pregnancy centers is, is vital. And then educating, having pastors and elders and missions committee people come down to the clinic and actually see for themselves the work that God is doing in and through our clinics. And those are all very practical things to get the church involved on a pro-life level. And then going back to the comment that you made earlier, you know, you're right. There are a lot of, um, a lot of different healing avenues that can be offered to women who have experienced abortion, but the gospel is absolutely vital 
to the pro-life work and to the work of what happens in pregnancy centers. And I, I do get a lot of grief about this. Uh, I'm often called the most evangelical pregnancy center. And I don't have an issue with that because at the end of the day, um, hope is only found in Jesus Christ. Right. And um, the only way sexual addiction is broken and the bonds of sexual addiction and all that happens in our lives that is the work of the enemy, the only way that we are able to walk away from that is by the power of the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ. Um, No amount of willpower uh, can do that, although sometimes that can happen. But at the end of the day, it's about hope and it's about hope in one person and that's Christ. You know what I love about you, Heidi, and um, gosh, this is emotional for me just hearing you throughout this this conversation. But you're pro life, you're you know pro pro life, but you're also pro life for the woman who has had an abortion, who sits in church, sits in shame and condemnation, and is living, um, you know, not abundantly more than she could ever dream or imagine. That she hasn't fully. Um, experience the freedom found in Christ. So you are pro-life, but you're pro-life more than just saving life. It's also helping women um, regain their life in what the enemy sought to destroy. And that just comes out. And that's why the gospel is so central to the work that you're doing, because the gospel um, not only changes us from making choices like that as we walk with the Lord, but it also, when we do make choices that are apart from God's best, it's our way back to him. It's our way back to freedom and nothing is impossible. God's grace is, is for everyone. So I just, I love your heart and spirit there. But as we kind of wrap up here, I want to talk a little bit about um, just, how churches, you talked a little bit about practically ways that we can be supporting, you know, pro-life initiatives, but also how can ministry become greater places of healing for women and their post-abortive care? And, um, and how can, how can discipleship even be built around some of these ideas that, you know, there's a lot of followers of Jesus Christ who are eager to to grow and get in Bible study and and to do, you know, live God's way, but yet there's still things that keep them and hold them back from that freedom. So what can we, what conversations do we need to be having in Bible studies that help women feel like this is a healing place for them? Yeah. So I want to start like what it looks like within our clinic, because I think that's really important. Um, so, you know, God ha- uses our clinic and, and the way that I desire God to be used in our clinic with the women that come to us on a daily basis is that, you know, this last year, my the verse I claimed was John 4.15 and the story of the woman at the well. And it was my prayer to the Lord that God would draw broken women to our clinic who are in need of hope and use our medical services um, in a way where we could pour out living water on women. They could experience a Christ 
firsthand. And then like the story of the woman at the well, they would then go out and transform their families and transform their communities. Um, that, and and out, as a result of that, a harvest would be reaped, just like the story of the woman at the well. And um, that really is how I want it to physically play out in our clinics, that women would come that in an unplanned pregnancy situation, they would find the medical services that they would need to make a life choice. And then after they've made that life choice, that there would be a be disciples, make disciples model where these women would be mentored for up to two years after they would made that life choice. And it is always the goal of alternatives to connect women um, that come to us in local churches is at the end of the day, Alternatives Pregnancy Center is not the church, right? <laughs> but it is our goal and our desire based on what zip code that woman is in and the partnerships with the churches that we have with our local uh, communities and our local churches to then get her plugged in to a mom-to-mom group where uh, as she gets plugged in and she's receiving all the resources and she has had a foundation built on who Christ is coming from our clinic, um, that then uh, we would pass her off to the church. The church would um, know her, uh, welcome her, um, and and then mentor her from that point on. So uh, that's, that's the transition that God has done over and over again through women at our clinic. And, um, and so what it looks like for women going into the church is on a Sunday morning, a church would have a designated person, uh, that's connected with the pregnancy center, um, that would be there welcoming that woman into the church. She would have some where she would, she, if she had multiple children, um, the church liaison person would show her around the church, would make her them, would help her get her kids off to whatever programs are going on, would walk her to either a mom's group or a women's Bible study, would sit there with her, and then would connect with her throughout the week and get her help her to get connected and would follow up with her um, throughout the week. And we've seen that happen time time and time and time again. And again, that's what the church is for. Uh, We are called to, whether we're inside the church or outside the church, we are called to be disciples and make disciples and be fishers of men. And practically speaking, that's what it looks like. I love that. Well, I hate to wrap up this conversation, but you you have the last word here. So if there's <laughs> anything that you want to say to our friends listening, we, we've talked about a lot of things today um, that are on God's heart, that are on your heart, and that are inspiring us to put on our heart right now as we pray and think about what this might look like um, in our homes and the ways that we're raising our kids, our daughters, and in our churches as we're leading and even in the public places that God's called us to. So Mm -hmm. final word, what do you want to say? I think what I would want to say is that there's a woman that's sitting out there listening right now who um, has had an abortion experience or multiple abortion experiences 
that uh, God wants to meet you right where you're at. And he desires to heal you and to set you free, to serve him in a way that you could never dream or imagine. And so I would ask for you to seek out a pregnancy centers like Alternatives Pregnancy Center and seek out that abortion healing so that you can be truly set free. And um, just an encouragement to pastors or women's ministry leaders or leaders in any realm that might be listening to this, um, specifically pastors, um, don't be afraid to talk about this issue. Uh, It is, yes, the most politically charged issue, but through grace found in Jesus Christ, um, it's an issue that the next generation needs to hear talked about from a godly perspective. And if we stay silent, the next generation only hears one voice. And so, um, you know, we have a Sanctity of Human Life event coming up in January. if, if you're not involved in one, go to your pastor, ask him to talk about this issue, ask him to be educated on this issue and um, encourage him in that process and be patient with them. <laughs> They're just human too. Um, and, and pray for them as they do step out in faith and encourage and, and talk about these issues. So that's, that's my last word. Oh. Thank you so Powerful. Heidi, how can our friends find you or get connected with you? Or website or social media handle? So uh, PG test for pregnancy, pgtest.org is our website. And um, or just my name, Heidi Maskey on Facebook. You can find all kinds of information there about me as well and and connect with me. But yes, pgtest.org is is our website. Well, thank you for sharing your amazing heart and just the tenderness that you have for the Lord and um, your willingness to say yes to him. We're grateful for your yes. And it's having a huge impact uh, for the kingdom. So you are such a blessing. Thank you so much for allowing this conversation to take place. You know, it's, it's not an easy thing to do to, to, um, to have these kinds of conversations. So I really appreciate just the ability to talk about this issue. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Heidi and, um, you know, just as we were even praying for this conversation, it was that God, his spirit would really move in your heart as you were listening to go, okay, Lord, what, what is my part and what can I do to get involved in this? whether locally or nationally, or how can I support ministries like alternative pregnancy and women like um, Heidi, who are on the front lines right now, whether that's financially or just prayerfully, like to, to, to add this to your prayers. And, and I know that, you know, in this season, it's become very politicized, but as followers of Christ, we, our banner is not political parties, it's the Bible. And so, you know, I would just encourage you to get into God's word and hear his heart on matters of life and and unborn and advocating for those who don't have a voice. And we are the voices, right, that advocate for that. And so use your voice in the way God's calling you to do that. And, um, you know, you can go locally into your area to see what work is being done around this and and get involved. And of course, um, connect with Heidi as she shares some ways to do that at the end of the podcast. So, yeah, it's a great reminder. So glad you guys got to connect and, um, yeah, really thankful for what she does in our area. And like Lisa said, 
there's so many ways to be involved and um, just help make a difference and stand up for people who maybe can't stand up for themselves. So this is a great reminder, but thanks for listening today. Um, If you found someone that would love this conversation, make sure you share it with them, like the podcast, subscribe so that you don't miss any episode, but we hope you have a great week and we will see you next time.